I'm Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio, and today we talk about a subject that's tough, took me out of my comfort zone. Sex trafficking. It's a form of modern-day slavery. It's serious. It affects women negatively, young women and girls. Human trafficking occurs when a trafficker exploits an individual through fraud, force, and even bullying to put them on the street for sex works. It's a taboo subject, but it's happening. And usually it's happening to young women right before our very eyes as they are kidnapped in our communities. Well, today we're going to talk to somebody who knows about this. She's raw. She's powerful. She's fierce. She's inspirational. She's remarkable. And she's honest. But most of all, she's a survivor. Brenda Myers Powell. She's the co-founder, executive director of the Dream Catcher Foundation. And what they do is they fight human trafficking in Chicago. Well, she herself beat the odds. And now she's helping others to do the same. Join me in a powerful, frank, honest conversation. Join me with Brenda Powell, and we are going to talk about sex trafficking. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I have been a fan of yours for many, many years. Oh, thank you so much. You have given me so much medicine and so much information that I can take back to women in our community. Thank and I you. thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Okay, let's let's talk about you. So... You were a prostitute for 25 years? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Let's go from the corner to the hotel. Grandma says, do what those ladies do. And you liked shiny. Um, my mother died when I was six months old. Hmm. And I was put into the care of my grandmother. Now, my mother was a 16-year-old girl. And she died when I was six months old. When you, so when you were born, she was 16? Mm-hmm. And she died six months later and not really sure. I'm thinking she died of an aneurysm, but I never really knew. Okay. But I know she, it was not in, it was not natural causes, mm -hmm. but I was left into the care of my grandmother who was a really beautiful, wonderful, strong black woman. She had a drinking problem. Mm -hmm. So it was like living with two different people. Jekyll and Hyde. The one that drank and the one that made me fry pies and read me the funny papers and would die for me at any moment. You know, it was traumatizing because it was kind of hard to live with someone like that. Sometimes, we, you know, your parents only give you what they have been given. And she gave me the best of what she had. And I didn't understand it as a child, but I think that most of, most of the time I was with my grandmother, she was trying to, to um, prepare me for life because she didn't think she was going to be here long. So she was rushing a lot of stuff. And she was hardcore. And she was trying to make me tough. You know, we, you could say abuse. But I look at it a little bit different. I guess she she needed she felt she needed to be a little hard. But one of the things that happened was when I was growing up, okay, she used to have drinking partners. Drinking people come in the house. Sometimes it was a relative. But I was in a house full of adults. And I would get molested. 
But I started at the age of four or five that I first remember. By one of your grandmother's friends? Drinking, it was, it was actually from one of my uncle's friends. And it was a knee ride. It was a knee ride, a simple knee ride. I got a knee ride. And she had told me as a little girl, stay off of everybody's lap. You know, she said, stop y'all hopping in everybody's lap. You know how you tell your, your little girls that. But we kids. Mm -hmm. We love the little bouncy, bouncy ride. So you were molested five years old. Four, four or years five old. years old. And I would never forget it. I got on his lap and he gave me a knee ride and he slid his hand up under into my panties. How did you get into prostitution? <sighs> we, we had moved into an area and when I was nine years old where prostitutes worked right in front of our house. And I used to look out the window and I used to tell my grandmother, well, I used to watch those ladies because I was a keychain kid. You know, we didn't have babysitters then. And I used to look out the window and watch the women with the shiny dresses and, and, and the hair. And I wanted to be Diana Ross and all the Supremes. And these women emulated that. They were you know? attractive. They were attractive you. and beautiful. Mm -hmm. and they, but they were getting in these cars. And I asked my grandmother one day, what are they doing? Why did they get in? She said, they take their panties off of me and give them money. And I looked at her and I said, I'll probably do that one day because men haven't taken my panties off without my permission and doing things. And my grandmother didn't know that. But I remember her saying, Brenda, whatever you be, be the best. And I remember in my mind, in my little mind, I said, I'm going to be the best prostitute that I can so be. So seeing the women out there in front of the house. Mm -hmm. That started you. That, that, that made that, me think of to think do that because it. understand I was living with a lot of pain. I didn't know what to do with it or how to d handle it. Did you tell your grandmother what? This? No, I never told her. You didn't tell it. My grandmother understand. I had never saw my grandmother lose a fight. I never. She had done a lot of damage. When she had a fight, she didn't lose. You know what? I think in the back of my mind, I didn't want to lose my grandmother. Because I knew that she would, she would hurt something if something, she found out something like that. So and you, then it's the molesters are very savvy. They have you to think it's your fault. You think it's your fault. You think it's your fault because you get these messages from your family. Being a fast little girl, they already told you not to do it. So you already know you weren't supposed to do that or sit in this man's lap or whatever, and you feel guilty. So when you go out on the street with the shiny women, how old are you? When I first went on the street, mm -hmm. I had had my second baby and I was, I hadn't gotten, I hadn't made 15. I was like a few weeks before my 15th birthday. And okay. I had my second child because now I understand I was being molested and I, and, and, and I was easy. I was the girl in the community that if the little boy said he liked me and especially told me I was pretty. Then you succumbed to him. Yeah, because I wanted I wanted someone to like me. I wanted to be loved. I, I was looking for I was looking for some love. All right. Now you're on the street for 25 years. Mm -hmm. How did you get out of prostitution? Well, first of all. 25 years on the streets. I was shot five times. I've been stabbed over 13 times. And you say in the film that your skin, the skin on your face came off. What happened? That was, that was the end. 
That was the end of my prostitution. I got in the car with a white guy on Madison and Kilpatrick. And I'm thinking, white guy safer than getting in the car with a black guy, because usually you have issues with black guys. They don't okay, know. now wait. Hold that point, mm-hmm. and we'll be right back. we got to take a commercial okay. break. We'll be right back with Brenda Powell and Dreamcatchers. Though human ingenuity will continue to make various inventions, with the help of new machines built to do the same, of this I am certain, no invention will ever be devised that is more beautiful, more simple, and more purposeful than those that nature designs. Proud server of the most advanced machine on Earth. few who never left, the partners who've always had you covered, that friend you consider the best, because that's how they make you feel. At Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, we know what it means to be there, guiding you toward a healthier state of mind, because the more we know as individuals, the healthier we all feel as a community, through it all. Close captioning is sponsored by the Illinois State Lottery. So finish the story. I'm talking about how you got out of prostitution. You were telling me about you got mm-hmm. in the car with the white guy. Mm-hmm. What happened? Well, I'm thinking he's in a Mercedes, a nice big Mercedes, got a white shirt and a tie on. I won't have any problems here. I got in the car with him. We pulled around and this is bright daytime. And we pull up, we took to the side over here on Monroe. He turns around and look at him. He hands me my money. And then I'm putting my money away. He turns around and looks at me and he hits me. And he hits me hard. And when he hits me, he hits me so hard. I'm trying to keep from like almost, you know, dazing and passing out. And keep him from hitting me. He's consistently hitting me. He gonna knock me out. So I turn this way because I can't fight him. I'm trying to keep him off me. So I'm kicking him. I'm kicking him to keep him off me. I'm turning my body this way, trying to get the doorknob. I get the doorknob. I open the door. I fall out this way. My feet are still in the car. He starts the car up to start drive off. When he starts to drive off with the car, the car drives off, but my clothes snag into the door so you're caught i'm caught in the door the door slammed and got my clothes in it and he's dragging me down the street while he's dragging me of course i get this the concrete is scraping it scraped all the all the flesh off so your face face. is on and you're right and your skin inside of my face so when i when my clothes rip and i'm in the middle of the street and i get up i have no skin on my face and i'm bleeding oh and I get up 
and kids ride up on their bike and they look at me and they point and I look at them and I say, am I messed up? They said, oh, you real messed up. And you know, I didn't get it at that time because I didn't realize I was messed up until later. Okay, now let's come to today. Mm -hmm. You work with girls who have been molested early in their lives. Yes, ma'am. You work with girls who are who who have been molested and kidnapped and forced into prostitution mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. Explain that process, that dynamic. How does that happen? It happens so many ways. First of all, you gotta you you gotta have a young lady that is looking for something, and most of our girls are. How, looking, how old are these girls? Um, they start as early as eleven and twelve years old. Eleven and twelve years old. Are, we, they, are those the girls kidnapped, or are those the girls who are raped or molested in their homes? We have a combination of it all. We have coercion. We where a person is coerced slowly into it. We have kidnappings where you hear about girls missing all the time and you you wonder what happened to her. You don't see her anymore if you do see her. These are teens. These are young girls, teens, preteens. You have it where girls initiate get 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 into gangs now and they have a role in the gangs as to part what part they play in there. And that is probably one of the most emerging pieces right now girls have two um have double roles in gangs now they have it where they're sexualized and also they have that gangbang persona that they have to play and some of them play both roles and it's, this is the girls gangs mm -hmm. not it's the girl there's a role that girls play in the gangs and there is the boyfriend type, the guys who, you know, coerce the girls by being the boyfriend at first and treating them pretty well until they drop the bomb about what they really want from them. And that's to make them prostitutes. And lately I've been having a lot of cases of issues where they come straight from the family traffic, tra traffic straight out their family by a parent. A parent putting the kid into a prostitution mode? A parent trafficking their child from as early as five, four and five, four and five a years five old. five-year-old, a prostitute. Five years old. <laughs> a parent, wait a minute now. Let me get this right. A five-year-old. A four and five-year-old child sexualized or sold for sex. I remember when I was in fourth grade, my mother sold me and my little sister to the drug dealers. Okay, one of the things from your documentary, these girls were broken. They were just so broken. And your development and your training works with them to build them up to develop them, to say, yes, you can, to say you can do something different and to pull them. Mm -hmm. Literally, you're pulling them mm -hmm. in another direction. Tell me about dream catchers. You're on the street. You personally, you're on the street yes, riding. Tell me about that dynamic. How does that work for you? Well, first of all, our, our organization, um, the biggest benefit of it is that it's survivor led and we hire survivors. 
when we go out there on the street, our, our team, we already know the culture of things out there. Mm-hmm. We've already been there. We came from that culture. We don't have to learn about it. We already know. You know, we get educated in a whole lot of different things, but we know our targeted population because we are our targeted population. So we don't have to ask the questions that someone else would have to ask that's never been there. Like where? You or know, who, who, or how do you what, identify? How did you get there? Okay. What what are you, ooh, what do you need? We already know that because we've been there. Okay. So we go out there pretty well equipped. And when we go out there, we go out there and we do something because it's not the programs that save lives. It's the relationships that save lives. We build relationships with these ladies so that they can understand who we are and begin to trust us. And then I do something that I wish somebody would have done for me. I had great ideas. I, I, I show them. See, some girls don't even know that they're victims. And the hardest thing for me to do is to make them understand that they're being hurt, they're being harmed, that they are a victim. Now, you have classes. Mm -hmm. You have classes where you bring the girls together Mm -hmm. to talk about what their experiences situation might be. And from there, you just kind of guide them one by one. Mm -hmm. Give me a success story. Tell me a success story. Oh, my God. We have several. We have Tamika, who you saw, who didn't like her mother, who is now going to school for accounting. Um, She is a CNA. And her mother, she has a baby now. Her mother... De- takes care of her of her baby. They're they're cooler than Kool-Aid right now. Her and her mom have a relationship and it's beautiful because we if if you saw in the film, I didn't just talk to Tamika, I talked to her mom. Now you you've got two daughters of your own. I have three daughters. Three daughters. Mm-hmm. And one you bring into the class and she is a psychologist now. She's a, She's doctor, a doctor psychology. psychology. What what's your story with your children, with your three girls? Once my story was my three children is that I was in the streets and I actually abandoned my two girls at one time. You left them with whom? I left them with some uh, I left them with some girlfriends in New Orleans uh, when I was uh, I was a stripper in New Orleans and um, I was on drugs and 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 I left them in New Orleans. And but thank God I had a aunt. I had an aunt, her name, Aunt Josie, who tried to help raise me. Aunt Josie, who helped raise, who raised my daughters, who Christian, a good woman, who gave my kids a, a, a life and raised them well in Evanston, Illinois, and brought them up decent and uh, always taught them to love me. Never said a bad word about me told him that your mama is the the most beautiful girl I know, she said, and she would not be away from you if she wasn't sick. She used to tell him that all the time. She said, your mama love you. She'll be back. And they they prayed for me the whole time. They prayed for me while I was out there on the streets. Then I had another baby in California. That's your third child. Yeah. When I was under my, uh, when I was going through my addiction, while I was away from my other two girls, I had a baby in California that I had there in California that I was I was so I was so far gone on crack cocaine Hermine that I forgot when I had the baby and then when I left California I still hadn't found my baby again right it took me 29 years to be reunited with my daughter again 
And my other daughter, the, da- the daughter you saw in the film, is the one who found my daughter again uh, through Ancestry.com. And I was just re- reunited with her now two years ago. And uh, we now, she's coming, she's coming to Chicago in December. We, we, we meet as, as, as much as possible who I'm getting to know now, you who, know. Who raised her? Your girlfriend? No. Who? She was she was adopted out of the hospital. The prayers that I I, I used to pray, even when I was under drugs, that she would not do a day in the system. And God answered that prayer. A nurse adopted her straight out the hospital. Then guess what the nurse name was? Brenda, we're going to be right back. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about sex trafficking with Brenda and dream catchers. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Though human ingenuity will continue to make various inventions, with the help of new machines built to do the same, of this I am certain, no invention will ever be devised that is more beautiful, more simple, and more purposeful than those that nature designs. Proud server of the most advanced machine on Earth. partners who've always had you covered that friend you consider the best because that's how they make you feel at blue cross and blue shield of illinois we know what it means to be there guiding you toward a healthier state of mind because the more we know as individuals the healthier we all feel as a community through it all so how did dream catchers for you come about how did you start dream catchers well actually Stephanie Daniels Wilson started Dreamcatchers. My partner, I met, Stephanie and I met in treatment. We were at Women's Treatment Center. She was a Hyde Park College graduate in the drug program. And I could never see no, you know, I was a prostitute. And I kept looking at her walk around. I said, how you get here? You know, you're from Hyde Park. You're a college graduate. What are you doing here? And she used to laugh and she used to listen to my stories. We're we're best friends. She went back to get her master's and she had her experience of wanting to do something for the community. I'm already doing human trafficking everywhere, all over the city of Chicago. Pulling girls out of human trafficking. Mm Yes, pulling girls. I'm working everywhere. Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. I'm starting stuff, going down to Springfield, lobbying. And she knew this. But she wanted to start something to help our girls because she saw them pushing buggies with babies in them way too early. I said, no, let's do human trafficking. She said, let me check check it out because she had went and got her master's. And she came back. She said, let's do this. How are you funded? How's Dreamcatchers funded? Dreamcatchers is privately funded. 
we don't have state, federal, uh, state or federal funding because that way we don't have to worry about doing numbers. Our girls are not numbers. Once you become a Dreamcatcher girl, you can always get services from Dreamcatcher. You don't have to age out at 18. You don't age out at a certain age and we can't service you anymore because it's it's against the uh, principles of the contract or the federal you know funding we're getting. And we find that to be a lot in a lot of organizations. Girls age out and they can't get the services anymore. And it's way too soon before they get it. Some of our girls make mistakes three or four times and, and it takes four or five years before they the light bulb comes on. But they may call us and they say, I did okay, I didn't get it then, but I'm ready now. And so at that time we can still give them services. You, you kinda you help them grow exactly hold their hand and you help them along the way. Exactly. So one of the things I noticed in the in the documentary with your program is you really recognize and treat these girls individually. Mm -hmm. It's not a group process. It's not a, okay, here's the formula, one, two, three. You really deal with them where they are. That's right. As individuals mm -hmm. to take them to next steps. Exactly. To 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 Because you're save an individual. Them. You're not, no, it's not a paper. This is not no cookie cutter. You're, you're your own person. And I want you to be an individual to understand who you are. You're a person, you're a woman, you're who you are, and you're great. And how do I bring that to you if I'm looking at you as a whole group? I got to bring out that individuality that makes you special. And then you tell them to have a dream and go catch their dream. Go catch that dream. Dream catcher. That's beautiful. Brenda, you've enlightened me. You've knocked me out my chair. You've taken me off my comfort zone. And congratulations to you. This is your ministry. It's a good work and it's a hard work. When I got through looking at the documentary, I was I was in tears. I'd never seen anything like that before. And thanks for doing what you're doing. You're saving some girls. And I, I never knew anything like this existed. Thank you. May I thank you, too, for doing what you do for our community? Oh, boy. Thank you for joining us tonight with Indigo Studio. Precious conversation with Brenda Myers-Powell talking about dream catchers. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. So sweetie. I wish I could be home with y'all. I'm sorry for leaving y'all. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm.